So what's with all the questions? So what's with all the questions? So we just did 12, uh, what I'm calling warm-up questions. Let me address this mic better. By the way, I figured out how to make it. I um, was returning it because I, I used it and it sucked. But it came with three different chords and I didn't read the instructions. So now this is, I, I couldn't return it because I forgot I had to be returned in February. The box has been following me around the world. And here we are, new microphone. And I actually read the instructions and it, it sounds okay. It's not amazing, but it's 30 bucks. It's what you pay for here. So we're gonna, we're gonna answer some more questions. And these are set two. There's three, three sets. So we're just dive right in, like last format. Maybe I'll put a little music at the beginning. We'll find out. So if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else you would want to know, if the question could be worded a little differently. Oh, what would you want to know? There's a second line in C. Yeah, what would I want to know? If I could see the future. The truth or the future? I think it's kind of a terrifying question. Does it have to be about me? Because that's the question. I want to know what the, the I want to know what this this place, this planet, this human race. I want to know what, what happens long once we're gone. Two thousand more years. What happens? What does it look like? Because everything else is kind of mundane. You know, the size of it all. We have, we have, I want to see what like 20 generations can do. Um, where we can go. Wow, crazy technology, I can imagine. Or maybe, maybe there's like a, a collapse in technology and we go back to like old school ways. That'd be nice. Maybe we keep a lot of things that are really beneficial, but we return to like old, old ways. And I actually have 45 minutes till my first meeting today. So I better get through these. I can always do two segments. Anyways, so yes, I like to go into the, I like to crystal ball the future just to kind of take, take notes of how, how well we do. You know. Is there something that you dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? Yeah, I don't know. Dreamed of doing. There's always these dreams of things to do, but um, for a long time, not really. I mean, define a long time. You want to go to Big South Fork? How long have I wanted to is that a long time? Maybe. Um, no, because I don't, no, there's not, because I end up trying to get there. And if I find out the dream is not, not correct, or the dream is inaccurate, and I reshape it, then I, yeah, get it closer, and I just tackle it. It's always good to not let your dreams become folklore. Make your dreams... Um, people use the word dream as if it's some mystical thing or if like, oh, I got these big dreams. But when you hear someone say that in your, in your gut, you just know like you're never going to do those things. So when people use the word dreams, it tends to, you're just kind of saying like, here's my wish list, not really caring if it, like, I would love it if it happened. Give me a million dollars, be beautiful. But if not, I'm not going to be like hurt because I know it's a dream, right? So when I when I think of dreams, my, for me the context of here's here's a big dream. It's not that I'm saying like it'd be nice if it happened. I'm saying I'm gonna work my hardest to make it happen. And the the quality of it is gonna be like a dream, where it's gonna be so unbelievable and so beautiful, 
and so magnificent. That that's the dream part of that's the dreamy part of it. But um striving towards it always. Always, always, always. I have so many big dreams. It doesn't mean they're all not gonna happen. It means they're all yes, they're all they're all happening. Just some things, um, we all want that instant gratification. Like I wanna do like a small thing to get a big thing. Sometimes you, can do, you gotta do a lot of big things to get a small thing. So whatever that small thing is, you always have to strive for it. Okay, number three. What is the greatest accomplishment of your life? All right, something about questions that are so, um, what is the word? A question that is so black or white, like what is the best, what is the greatest, what is the most impressive, like this, like this has to be one answer. The greatest accomplishment of my life has yet been to be done. And because I always feel like whatever I achieve, and it may be the high, high point, is never a forever high point. There's always a higher point on the horizon. There's always a, a next level that I'm aiming for. My greatest accomplishment in life would be to look back on my final days and see an upward trend of greatness and never of it, never of it plateauing. I want it to be two weeks, three weeks prior to my death. I've just done my last great thing. And I didn't think it was me my last because I thought there was more on the way. That would be, that'd be an achievement, an accomplishment of your life to look back. That's that no regret mentality. Um, number four, what do you value most in a friendship? I've, I think I value, the thing I value most in a friendship is commitment. Um, again, degrees of friendship exist. Um, I like it. I, I, I value in a friendship where let's just, for instance, it doesn't have to be daily touch points. We have to talk every single day, but there has to be a sense when there's been too much time on, on like time between talking to somebody, connecting with a person that the other recognizes that for, for the group, for the, for the, for the friendship group, you know, like, Oh, our friendship has been has been going through some silence. Let's um, let's change that. And then just checking in, and just knowing sometimes that silence doesn't mean there's something wrong, but also recognizing that sometimes silence does mean there there is something something going on. So always be mindful. I always, I guess I value it because I try to in, like in, install that into my friendships. Where if I don't talk to someone for a little while, I was like hit them up or I was like text them or find a way to connect with them. Be like, you know, what's going on? You know what I mean? Cause I know how life gets in the way of life, right? You're always so busy for you doing your thing. And then next thing you know, I was like, I haven't talked to anybody in a month. So just, I always try to like remind myself, like if you're in that groove of a disconnecting with people, I just try to connect with all the people I can. And then it's like, okay, I'll sit back see what happens. So I value um, the ability to, to recognize that. What is your most treasured memory? God, memory sucks, doesn't it? I've decided um, last night uh, driving that I'm gonna I'm gonna write like a little log. I don't want to call it a diary or a journal. This is like a log. It's like write little snippets when it feels right. Stay. It's like it. It's like a diary or journal. It's like you just pour out your feelings. You know, like feelings. I'm not. I can't get there, writing wise. I just my body, my brain just don't want to go there because I, I internalize so much. I, I feel so much to write it down. It it sort of evaporates the feeling. But I don't really mind storytelling or just like taking note of events. So what I like, okay, 
let's round it back in. So what I'm thinking I want to do is every year for you and every year for a child, you, you, you both have to be honest about this. You can't be sneak, be sneaky peeking. You can't be like seeing me writing something and come over look what I'm writing. You know it's what I'm writing. Um, I, like, I think I talked to you last night, I, or a couple days ago. I was like, see, I wrote in the journal. I'm missing you a lot today. And all I want to do is hold you and put my hand on your belly. Like I'll, I'll write things like that because those are real. Those are real feelings and real thoughts. But I'm not going to analyze it on paper. Um, so I'm going to do that for both of you. And then every year for your birthdays, uh, it's so cute to think that. Oh my God, I'm tearing up. Um, that for both your birthdays, really close or on the same, I'll give you both the year that we've had on paper. You can do what you want with that afterwards. But I really would hope that you'd spend some time with it and see what we've done as a, a collective, as a family. And maybe you two can swap, you know, if you have that kind of feeling, relationship at that point, little baby swapping. Let me get your diary. Let me get your log. What, you, what do you write about you in there? What do you write about me in there? You know, questions, all these things. What's going on? I'll make time for that because I think it's valuable. You like it. And um, as much as I, I feel... Um, It's not like it does. It's not hard. It's not a chore. It's not anything that's like it, I'm indifferent, or I can write. Just, a, it's just brain dump. Boom. Here's something I'm feeling, thinking, and maybe what I could do for the first few years is read read it back to the kid and be like, Hey, do you remember this? Look at the, look what we did in March. Look what we did in February. Do you remember that? Like, what, what does that make you feel? Just dig into some of those thoughts. Cement those events good and bad i will I'll, i will not hold back it's not just all s sunny beautiful days there could be some some sad things in there and i'm willing to to account for those as well so that'd be not answering the question of what my most treasured memory is is because i don't have one unfortunately um yeah it's a unique uh, organism in my head doesn't like to retain until provoked. And then I can like go back into some memories. Um, okay, if this is on speakerphone, take it down. And then I'll tell you when to put it back on. But my current most treasured memory was the day, the night in the canyon where we were by the fire. Because this is what just popped in my head. And like the hot skin. And then it started snowing. And you were on top of me. And it's the flickering of the light. I can see you. You put your hands on my chest. Oh, it felt so nice. It just felt so connected. It felt so wild. I knew I knew at that moment, like, this is all I want with us. This is it. Just you and me doing these things. Going and experiencing places. Loving each other. I knew in that very moment. I mean, I always said, I still want to marry you, or whatever. I blurted out. But like those, that was that was a snowball building until it hit this last little patch of snow, and it went on in this uncontrollable direction. So that's my currently most treasured memory. And what's your most terrible memory? Um, sure, we'll go. We'll go here. It's um, it's not. It's not good. Obviously, it's the most terrible memory. After, I don't remember. I don't. I do not remember it. Um, I lied to the doctor, and he says, "What do you remember?" I said, "Nothing." This is what I remember. Obviously, you don't tell this to a cardiologist because he doesn't care. He's not there for emotional support. But what I do remember is waking up in an ambulance after they revived me a few times. I'm coming to consciousness, and. I couldn't, my ears were ringing and I could hear all these voices, but I wasn't, 
I'd hear something, but I couldn't remember what they just said. My memory was my capability, my capabilities for memory were not existent. And it was reactionary. So this is the only thing that sticks. I don't know what you're saying, but when there's something so impactful, it like grooves into your soul. You will not forget that memory. So this memory is I'm revived. I'm like strapped down like, like a criminal, right? Hands, ankles, everything just like strapped. I could not move. And they're like, I can hear them saying that we lost it. Like I was dead, but conscious, consciously hearing and experiencing everything in that ambulance. They were talking about me as if I wasn't even there. And then I remember taking a breath and then hearing boom, 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 like hearing my heartbeat on a monitor. Like, okay, we got them back. I remember all that. And then, Mr. Harrington? Uh, yeah. Do you know where you are? I said, who did I kill? And they started, they like, what? Who did I kill? Did I kill anybody? They're like, Mr. Harrington, you just had cardiac arrest. I said, okay, but who did I, did I injure anybody? They're like, you were in a climbing gym. Because I don't, I didn't remember anything. My memory from that moment for, behind, I don't remember like who I was. So much amnesia. But in the, in the little I had in my head, I could just imagine that I was in a car accident. That's all I, all I cared about was, um, did I kill another person? That's it. And then the shock of like what they were telling me settled in after I, they said, no, you're, you didn't kill anybody. You were not in a car accident. I was like, oh, thank God. I go, are you sure? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay. And I just felt so relieved because I was so nervous that I, I killed another person in a car driving. Cause that's what it felt like to me. I'm like, there's no, like my little brain's like, okay, what could, what could be going on here? I'm like, oh, she has this in a car accident. How else, how else would I be here? You know? So yeah, that's my most terrible memory. It's horrible. And then I can hear myself talking and I, um, Started mentally retarded. My I, my brain was just so scrambled. Anyways, I'm gonna skip seven. It's another morbid question. I'll go to number eight. What does friendship mean to you? Friendship is an extension of a family. Friendship comes in different levels, obviously. But if we're talking about true friendship. It'd be no different than a blood relative in all ways, even more, probably because you, cho you chose this person. A lot of people say, I've got a lot of friends, but like how many of those friends would just go out of their way for, for you in any capacity? Unquestioned. That's a friend. So that's what it means. That's, that's what it means to me. Someone who's like willing to drop everything just to, to help you or listen to you. Because they would, they would, they know that one day they're gonna need it from you, and you're willing. You will be there. There will be no question of like, is this person gonna help? Um, there you go. That's what friendship means to me, ride or die. What roles do love and affection play in your life? What roles do they play in your life? Well, for that lone wolf out there, love almost seems like a mystery. I can tell you I love myself, I love my friends, I love my family, I love my life. But true love, the intimate love, it feels like impossible, you know, until you find it. I think I found it with you. I know I found it. So I'm doing this podcast. 
and affection. We all need it. Um, I need it more than most. And you, you, you're afraid you're going to smother me with attention and affection. My soul craves it so much. I need it so much. Waking up next to you, holding you, hugging my friends, hugging my family. I, I personally need that more than anything else. Okay. Alternate sharing something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner. Share a total of five items. Positive characteristic. Alternate. Uh, we cannot do that, so I'm going to give you five. A positive characteristic. I, I, find, I find it very positive that you're so driven and determined. We're, you're willing to just keep trying. Suffer, suffer, suffer for mastery. I think it's important to, to seek mastery in whatever you do. It's not, it's not, it, it's okay just being good at something or okay at something or just like passable. I find it really respectful if you can um, take it to the level of mastery. And even when you get there, you feel like you have not even reached a level of mastery because you, you know so well what mastery could be. And you and was like, oh, you're, you're so good at this. And you're like, I can see so much beyond this to know how much further I can go. And that's the drive to keep going, the mastery. So I like that. I appreciate that. I can... Uh, uh, oh, positive characteristic. Oh, beyond positive. Yeah, I love it. Um, I like your your simplicity. Find that very positive. How we can together and collectively, we we both are kind of like don't need a whole lot to survive. We're not very needy. We're okay with, uh, I always say I've done more with less, you know, and I've done less with more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes just a lot of fluff gets in the way of life and living and creating, you know, like the, the person who has a full spread of every paint, every paintbrush is, I have so many things, I could be awesome. Then you're like the one person has just the one thing, still amazing artist. A musician, like a broken guitar, somehow like this makes it work. Jimi Hendrix playing a, a right-handed guitar upside down because he couldn't afford a left one and they didn't have them. I said, whatever, I'll take what I got. Uh, another positive characteristic. You're very patient. At least you you um you, you practice it. That's very appreciative. I'm gonna stop at three because I I'm running out of time here. Um, but we can pick this up any other time you want to hear some compliments. <laughs> How close and warm is your family? Do you feel like your childhood is happier than most people's? Um, close and warm, I say, I say the answer is yes, but in a very unique way. Um, I have two brothers and two sisters. Brit, Britton Porter Harrington, he is 18 years older than I am. He was born uh, on my birthday. Not my birthday. He's born. He graduated high school when I was born. For context. So as he was graduating high school, I was born. Oh, wow. Another baby coming. Britton Porter. I don't, uh, we were really close at one point, And we would go out together sometimes and be like, is that your dad? My, no, it's my brother. You know what I mean? We look a lot alike, too. Except for he's like 6'3". Tall. Everyone in my family is so tall. And then we kind of grew apart. Um, you know, it's just a symptom of older people. They kind of like to start internalizing and disconnecting. And like, you, you have to be the one always contacting them. Yeah, it's just how it works. Uh, my sister, her name's Ethan Campbell Harrington. Campbell was my grandmother's last name. Um, 
My grandmother's name was Mabel Campbell. And Eden is a year younger than Britain, or Brit. And the problem with my older siblings is that they're older, for one. And they're like really reckless. So they're heavy dr drugs, drinking, everything like that. And they're kind of a wreck, you know what I mean? They're like functionally, they're doing okay. You know, they're, they, have, they, they live, they have houses, they have jobs, blah, blah, blah. But they're just, they grew up in that era of like this party, 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 party. Now they're in their 50s and they're still like party, 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 party. Wait, hold on. Yeah, my brother's like 58. Yeah, so, yeah, it just gets a little sad to be that old and want to party and just not care about, like, big things, important things. They don't have kids, so that's, I guess, the side effect, right? Nothing to do but party and drink. Start drinking at 10 a.m. every single day. Um, so, yeah. So, and then we get to my, my brother and sister, um, my younger brother and sister, Mark and Brene. My brother and I are very close. We are, we are, we are the, I, I love him so much. He is, he's, I've always seen him as like a special kid and now like a special man. He was really a very sensitive, kind soul, always very influential. You can, you can tell him a thing and you believe you. So when my parents weren't really fulfilling the need of parenting, I'd step right in, like, do you need money for lunch? Because we didn't, like, have money for lunch at school. Like, we never just had, we just had to find things and bring it with you, you know, or just steal it. Do you need, I was, like, working since I was 15. I've, like, always had a little extra money in my pocket, and I'm, like, here, here, just take some money. Like, just do whatever. Or do you need, like, when I was driving, like, do you need a ride somewhere? Like, I'd always take them wherever you had to go. Do you, do you and your friends need a ride somewhere? Like, let me just help you. Because that's what a parent should be doing. It's like, oh, you want to go to swim? I'll take you. You know, like, you know. And I'd always, like, bring him around with my friends. Like, he was four years younger, but that, like, and for a young, young person, four years can be a whole lot of, like, growth. So I'd always, like, tag him along. He got, like, picked on or whatever. But these just young, younger kids got picked on. <laughs> But um, yeah, like I've always like always had his back, and he's always had my back, and yeah, we have like this strong brotherly bond. Our voices sound so similar at times, where we used to play this game where like someone would call the house, I'd answer and pretend to be him, until the person started figuring out because I I, did, I wasn't answering the questions just right. You know what I mean? Like they'd ask a question about like, so what do you want to eat? And I was like. You know, like I'd slip up. Like, is this Brian? I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'll go get Mark. I mean, I'll just carry it on, terrorizing these people. So yeah, we have a very nice, warm relationship. And then me and my sister have this strange relationship where we come in these like waves of being really, really close and being then really, really distant. Um, which at first really bothered me, and then I started understanding it. It's just. Her and I um, are so similar in a lot of ways of like how deep we have to immerse ourselves in something to, to get where we want to go with it. Um, almost to the to a fault where just the obsession level is so high. Where I mean, because she she's a year younger than me. Um, she's born in '82 in uh, June, and. She has, she's like probably the most successful person on paper in the family. She's a teacher at a university, she's a professor at a university teaching kinesiology, so movement. She's a personal trainer, she's a yoga instructor, she's a cycle instructor. She actually trains young youth um, Olympiads in college, college team, everything, track and field. She also is on the USA um, cycling team. So she 
travels a lot in the seasons for that and travels all around the world, competes, um, which is amazing to think that she's like out of her prime a little bit for that and she's still on the team, you know, sponsored and all that good stuff by the, the USA uh, team, Team USA. So, yeah, so she's she's always traveling. Um, sometimes I'm like, where are you? She's like, I'm in Germany. I'm in Switzerland. I'm in here. I'm doing this thing. I got like this meet. And I got to fly here. And I got to fly here. And I got to do this. And I got to train. And I got to do this. So she's like very accomplished. She's done multiple Ironmans. She's done multiple. I think she said she's done over 300 uh, marathons. So she's just very physically accomplished. And, you know, PhD professor but she, her life she doesn't have her personal life together which is just like that the polar opposite where you just put so much time into like professionalism and just trying to be like a badass athlete and just like trying to always win medals you know where you kind of like neglect the rest of your life in a lot of ways so I understand when she's like super silent she's just in that mode of like I'm trying to like win a gold medal in France you know what I mean um, so that's, so I, I'm, I, I admire that in her where she can sacrifice a lot of the parts of her life where people find a lot of value just for her personal satisfaction. So those achievements, that's a hard swallow. I notice these questions start taking a little uh, longer to answer because they're a little more deep. So, so was my childhood happier the most? Probably not. I've, I've explained that to you. But um, my relationship with my siblings, primarily my brother um, and my sister, Renee, um, I value very much. I, I, I'm, I feel like I've ma I made their childhood happier, even if I was a child too. And I feel like spinning that into the future. Um, I know what I went through and I know how to make that better for another person for sure. So that's my goal. Man. Last question. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? <laughs> complicated. How do I feel about it? I feel like it's complicated. Um, we're going to find out we're starting a new relationship soon. We are going to start a new uh, friendship and she's going to become a grandmother. And I, I imagine we're going to have a, a, a brand new relationship. And hopefully we can throw away the old because I know I've literally have given up on caring about all the bullshit she put me through and all the things she's ever done to me. And basically the question 11, I have thrown all that away. And I'm opening up my heart to new, new, new possibilities of a, an older, wiser woman who has left her bad ways and who has found peace and harmony in the world and wants to do better and um, evolve in the final chapters. And I feel like maybe I had this weird dream the other night that my mom, my mom's a vagabond too. She's always been traveler I had a feeling I had this dream where she's like when we you and I talk to her and tell her the news she's like because she's retiring in a couple weeks um she's like in her 80s like that's what poor planning does for you um so she'd be retiring and I think she's gonna be like I want to go on a road trip and I'm gonna be like mom if you really want to go on a road trip I built this amazing van I will sell it to you for literally how much I have into it, no profit, if you want it. And like, I'll, I'll sell it to you for $60,000. Like, you cannot buy a brand new one empty for 50. Uh, and that could be a little gift I can give her. If she, if she, if I have a feeling that's what she's gonna wanna do, travel, travel the United States. She lives in like the Bay Area. I don't even think she owns her house. It's too expensive to own a house up there. It's like a million dollars. Like, like, you can find a house that needs to be taken down for a million dollars. So I think that might be on her horizon. So maybe I'm, I'm kind of like waiting on this van thing. 
it's like the best I can do for for my mother, right? If if because I don't think she can afford an RV, you know, they're so expensive. Like a new one. I mean, you could probably buy a clapped out used one, but like an eighty year old woman should not be worrying about repairs. Oh, the, the the thing went bad. Something in the engine's broken. Like like here's a brand new car. It's like a year old, and um, it still has a warranty on it. <laughs> and I'm sure Mark can help her get it all set up. Uh, us Harringtons are very clever, clever people. We, we like to build and make things. My brother once, um, he has a bunch of friends. They're kind of norm, norm core. And someone's like, Mark, I want to get a grill. I want to get a smoker. And my brother's like, okay, you want to make one? The guy's like, make a smoker? He's like, yeah, let's make a smoker. So my brother's like, let me go go talk to some people and get some stuff. So he, so he goes over to his friend's house and he has like a, his truck full of like steel, like raw steel, a welder and like the tools. And he's like, okay, let's build a smoker. The guy's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, how hard could it be? And they built a like enormous meat smoker. And the guy's like, what the fuck? How do you know this? My brother's like, I don't know, just figured it out as we did it. Like, I don't, I've never built a smoker. It's just kind of funny how we have this like, and it, it has to come from my dad because it's like this weird propensity to like not know what the fuck we're doing, but somehow like get it done and get it done really well. <laughs> I had no idea how that happened. So anyways, I guess I'm rewinding back to like, I built this van not knowing what the fuck I was doing. Now it's a masterpiece. And it'd just be nice to, I mean, I would like to make some profit on it. It would be, it'd feel really nice. I mean, in a perfect world, I would just, yeah, sell it to another person. But if she's like, oh, I love that. Like I've been looking and I can't find anything that are hard to find. Like, fly out. Grab it. See us. Drive back out in December if you want to see your grandchild. Start that new relationship. That's what I'm, I'm leaning into right now. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Like I said, you don't, I, I didn't realize the importance of parents until you become one. And how important they are to, we neglect them in a lot of ways and they neglect us in a lot of ways. It's a cycle. But when you realize, like, I was a baby and my mom was a young mother, or not really young, she was a mother. And she probably had all this hopes and dreams for me and for her family, and it fell apart due to their negligence. I can only hope to imagine that she has some regrets and how she would have done it differently. And somehow that feeling was shaped into me, but now I know what to do. I can, I can actually do the difference because I've taken that, like the, the feelings that she had, like of her mistakes and her wishes, and it kind of like grew into me. And now all I want to do be is like a badass parent who is always taking their, like our kid will go everywhere. It's like we're going camping every freaking other weekend in the summer. We're hanging out with our friends. Our friends are like, Babies are awesome, you know, like, look at this cool little baby running around and grabbing stuff and just being cute and kind and sweet and not a problem and always just exposing. So, yeah, yeah like, how do you feel about the relationship with your mother? It's like, how would I want my child to feel like the relationship with me is how would they answer this question how would they answer question number 12 about me i hope they'd say that my dad is my best friend he's my buddy he's my teacher he is my inspiration and he is the best father and husband I've ever seen and I hope he'd say I, I see how he treats my mother and that's how I want to treat my wife in the future I want to be a role model in a lot of ways I want to instill positivity and the anything is, is possible mentality 
without delusion. I would hope he would say that he doesn't know a whole lot about what I've done before he was born, because there's not a whole lot of documentation of that. But from what he hears from a lot of people, that's pretty awesome. And it seems to be true still. This old man, this old dad's still pretty awesome. Maybe it'd be nice to hear that, oh, when I did my first 513A, my dad was bullying me. You know? Or my dad dropped me off at the airport for my first trip to go climb somewhere. Or my dad and my mom came with me for the last two days of my climbing trip. You know? Or they were always there to answer the phone when I needed something. Or they were always there to to celebrate the big wins with me too. So all the things I'd never had, um, I'm really gonna make sure that this next next generation gets. Yeah, just like you know, just the one, the one dad you get, you know, one mom you get. We'll be trying to make it the best. And that concludes 12 questions, and I'm feeling really kind of emotionally, emotional at the moment. So let me dig through the old informational databases called Spotify and find some really emotional music that I'll, I'll round up the back end of this with, uh, take it to about an, uh, a calm 50 minutes. But anyways, hope you're enjoying these. This one was this one was a little more than I expected. I didn't read ahead, which I did. Um, but anyways, it's all straight from the heart. So always for you.
Thank you.